and making a difference every day. Welcome to the Animal Care and Welfare Podcast, iBuzz, where we combine the science and practice of animal welfare in a fun and engaging way, where we answer questions, find solutions, discuss tools, and achieve results, all for happy animals and people. I'm your host, Sabrina Brando, and this podcast is brought to you by Animal Concepts, and the Practical Animal Welfare Science Membership Experience. Let's buzz! Welcome to iBuzz, the first ever podcast by Animal Concepts about animals and of course about the people who care for animals and care about animals. And today I am joined by Karen Fifield, the Chief Executive of Wellington Zoo Trust. Hello, Karen. How are you? Hello, Sabrina. I'm very well. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Perhaps you can start with a little introduction, who you are and and what you're doing at the zoo and, and all the work that you're doing. I am the Chief Executive of Wellington Zoo Trust in New Zealand. And animal welfare has always been something very close to my heart, particularly for animals in human care, as they are in zoos and aquariums. So I was also the president of the Zoo and Aquarium Association Australasia, and I am currently the chair of the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums Ethics and Animal Welfare Committee. Um, I worked also at Zoos Victoria in Australia and also at Taronga Conservation Society Australia, and I've been at Wellington Zoo since 2006. Yes, so, you know, when we met, I was working for the for the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums, and you were a very, very active member of the Welfare Committee. At the time, it was called the Welfare Committee. And you have a lot of, have had a lot of input on, you know, how to shape animal welfare and how to shape how zoos and aquariums are engaging with the topic of animal welfare. And Wellington Zoo is very active in this domain. I, when I visited, you had, you know, cubes with, you know, about animal happiness and lots of activities around the zoo that people could learn about the philosophy of animal welfare at the zoo. Can you tell us more about that, please? I think animal welfare is the absolute crux of a progressive and leading zoo. The animals that we care for must have the very best lives they can have. And we also have to engage our community with animal welfare. I think that people visit our zoos and visit good zoos and expect the animals to have good lives. But how do they know that? How do we actually help them to understand some of the work that we do to ensure our animals have good lives. And one of the programs we instigated at Wellington Zoo was our Happy Animals Project. And that was where we talked to our visitors about what we do with the animals so that they can have wonderful and good lives. 
And people have really engaged with that because they understand that the animals have their teeth checked just like we do when we go to the dentist or they have very good food given to them. So they have a very balanced diet. These are things that people might intrinsically understand, but we don't usually talk to them about these things. And I think it's really important if we are going to have animals that are well cared for, that we also talk to our community about how we're looking after those animals. And so they can be sure that the zoos that they're visiting are looking after the animals very well. Excellent. So you talked about, you know, how you care for the animals, like, you know, checking their teeth or other activities. Can you give us a few examples of how you and your staff are engaging with the public and and of course you know talking to them about how we care for animals and what animal welfare you know means for you well with um with wellington zoo we have um animal welfare uh, our animal welfare committee is actually chaired by me so it's a very clear message that it's a very important thing um to the chief executive that animal welfare is paramount and so what we do is we engage with our visitors so the keepers will actually talk about how they're looking after the animals, the sorts of food that they get, some of the enrichment that we would provide them. So our keepers and our visitor rangers also talk about these things with our visitors, but they also obviously do these things with, with the animals. So there's enrichment programs, there's training programs, you know, veterinary procedure training programs. You know, there's a whole lot of work that goes into creating rapport with the animals that we care for so that they can have their best lives. And our keepers do a marvellous job with this. And some of, the, um, some of the training they've been doing has been amazing. And it's been really interesting since we've been in COVID-19 uh, alert level four in New Zealand, which is lockdown. Some of the keepers have been actually filming some of the training that they've been doing for our social media. And it's been amazing how our community has responded to these videos of work that they would not see normally. So it's been a real opportunity for us in a dire situation to really engage with our community to say, this is what our keepers are doing. This is how they think about the daily lives of the animals. And this is some of the work that we do every day, but now we're able to share it with you on our social media. It's been quite interesting to me that people have really responded to it. I'm not surprised, but it's been quite incredible. The peak in our social media has really gone up because they're seeing things they wouldn't normally see at the zoo. So I think if we could take the opportunity to bring people with us um, in our community, I think they would really understand some of the work we're doing. Like in our veterinary hospital, well, all of the things that our vets do are always on visitor view anyway. And our vets talk to people, they're mic'd up, they talk to them about how they're looking after the animals, what sort of procedures they're doing on them and why. And so we've been doing that for over 10 years. And that's one of the most popular things at our zoo for, um, for our visitors to be able to see the very good care that our veterinarians give to our animals. So bringing all these things together, the brilliant work that our animal care and science teams are doing, plus the whole visitor experience side of being able to talk to people about this and really, really get them to understand and help them to understand that the animals are well cared for. 
That's absolutely wonderful. And yeah, people always want to know about the animals, right? Who they are, uh, you know, were they born at the zoo? How old are they? You know, what are their personalities and what type of stories? Because actually at your zoo, you talk about the animals, of course, in he's and she's, but you also, you know, talk about them with their names and, and their personalities. And that is something that I think is absolutely wonderful that is not necessarily, you know, common in, in all zoos and aquariums or for that matter, any other places where animals are under human care. So it makes it such a direct, you know, I know this individual. And do you have some nice stories or personalities of the animals that you could share with us that are perhaps fun for our listeners to, uh, to hear about? It's very interesting that you talk about that because I've worked in zoos now for nearly 30 odd years and it goes through these cycles of whether we should talk about the animals and their names, whether we should, you know, just stick to their arcs numbers or what we should do. I'm a firm believer in engaging with, with people and getting them to understand the animals. You have to start from a basis of love. And so some of the stories we've got about some of our animals, Sunny the giraffe, our male giraffe came to us from an Australian zoo and he had to have an eye operation before he came. He only has one eye and the story of Sonny being able to actually engage with his environment, the keepers adjusting the environment for him so that he can actually get around the habitat. Um, he's, he's very clever himself the way he manages that. But his story is one that is really engaging to our community and everybody loves Sunny. And there's many stories like that in all of our zoos that of animals that have individual stories. And I do believe with animal welfare, we know that it's about individual animals. And so for people to understand a story like Sunny, where he had the very best veterinary care when his eye was removed, and he's having the best keeper care now to actually help him adjust to a new life without that eye, people can actually understand that. And, you know, there's many stories that people will say to me when I'm walking around the zoo and they go, oh, I talked to my daughter about this the other day. Or oh, you gave me the opportunity and the, the knowledge to be able to talk to my children about the sorts of things that are happening at the zoo. I mean, it's imperative that we do that. You know, if people are going to be coming to visit animals in human care, it's really important for us to engage with those people so that we can take them on a journey of best best practice animal care for their own pets or their own animals in their lives. I think that's really important work that we can do. Yes, absolutely. That is such a good point. And this is also, of course, true in, in zoos and aquariums and other facilities. We might also have species that people might have at home. So some of us have rabbits or guinea pigs or and even if the, we don't have the same species, we can still talk about, you know, animal care and really, you know, that connection with the, with the animals that people are making. And other ways, you know, people have sometimes said, oh, I saw this enrichment that they were doing with the tigers. And now I've made something smaller for my own cat at home. So isn't it beautiful how we can, you know, together really look at enriching and making animals' lives better wherever they are. That's such a great, great input. Thank you. So another really important point, because of course, 
you know, animal welfare, as you said, is paramount. It's the crooks of all the other, you know, programs. And zoos and aquariums are committed to conservation, to education, to research, to recreation and activities with the visiting public. How do you, as a chief executive, think about animal welfare in relation to all these other goals that you have at the zoo? I do agree with you. I think animal welfare is the absolute basis of everything that we do. Because um, if we want to get our messages across, if we have stories that we want to be told, if we want a community that is engaged and supporting us, then we must be able to show that our animals are well cared for. You know, in this region, in the, in the Australasian region, we have um, an accreditation framework for our members um, that is purely animal welfare based. And I think that's an amazing framework for us to use as a real catalyst for our animal care and science staff to be talking about some of this, this work. Because, you know, we, can, we can't have good education, we can't have good research unless there's actually a really good basis to the animals in our care. And we can go beyond the zoo boundaries and do research in conservation areas and we can be working with conservation partners in the field. Very important work, but at the very nub of what we're doing, we have, you know, I have hundreds of animals at Wellington Zoo. Actually, we are responsible for their daily lives. And so for me, they are the most important part of what we do. The other work is what we would do as a credible conservation-based zoo. And those are important activities as well. But really, you've got to get the basics right. And the basics for me is making sure the animals that are totally reliant on us for their care and for their welfare as individuals, we need to make sure that that is the real basis of what we're doing. And I, I don't think you can actually do all that other work well, unless you're doing that part well. Yes, I completely agree with you. I think it's such an important aspect that we cannot do without, and everything else is based and built on that. And of course, there are going to be moments where there might be a conflict or a particular, yeah, difficulty with regards to what our conservation goals or education goals might be or what we would like to do versus what might be good for the animal or what the animal wants to do. And this is why it's so important to have those really in-depth conversations and analysis to look at how do we do the things we do and how can we, you know, really do it the best way for all parties and to achieve our goals. And therefore it's so important, like the WASA Welfare strategy and conservation strategy really have these different chapters also that discuss how do we, you know, engage with these potential, you know, conflicts and how do we mitigate them. And, and that is such an important part of, you know, all these different programs. And of course, as a chief executive, you, uh, you already mentioned you are also, you know, engaged with the welfare committee at your zoo. What do you see is the role of, a, of a, a chief executive or of a CEO with regards to animal welfare? In what way do you shape or interact? What do you see is the role here? 
With our Animal Welfare Committee, I mean, as I said, I chair that committee. And what's been fascinating with that is we have internal members of that committee and people apply to um, be on that committee. So they're not just animal um, care staff. We have staff from right across the organisation. Um, our health and safety advisor is on the committee at the moment. Um, she um, asked to be, um, or she applied to go onto the committee. We also have um, external people on our committee as well as litmus tests almost, that have we got it right? Are we actually um, approaching animal welfare properly? So Doc, uh, Associate Professor Nio Beausoleil from Massey University is on our welfare committee. And Nio is um, an excellent animal welfare scientist. So she steers us in the right direction for animal welfare. So having external people on the committee is just as important as having internal people because you really do need external people to, to test your thinking, to challenge your thinking. And, you know, I've really appreciated all the external people who've been on our committee and the, the help that they've given us to really shape animal welfare at Wellington Zoo so that we don't just accept the status quo, that we actually push ourselves, you know, challenge ourselves to do better all the time. So continuous, continuous improvement is what I'm looking for when I'm talking about animal welfare at Wellington Zoo. How do we take the, the knowledge that is out there and apply that in really sensible and rigorous ways that we can improve what we're doing with our animals every day? That's what I would like to shape at, at our zoo. I mean, that's the strategy that we've employed. In our, in our organisational strategy, it's very clear that animal welfare is one of the most important strategic outcomes in our organisation. It is clearly stated there and we use science-based methodology around animal welfare. Those things are actually articulated in our organisational strategy. It has to be at that level. It has to be clear to everybody who works in the organisation that these important outcomes that are actually articulated and listed in the organisational strategy are the things that are important for us as an organisation to do the work we want to do and have the credibility that we need in our community. So for me, animal welfare is, it's, it's linked to things like knowledge and science. It's also linked to things like species planning. So when we're deciding on which species we will house at Wellington Zoo, we think about what's our, what are our keeping skills? What sort of knowledge do we have? What's our site like? Can we actually look after these animals well? You know, would there be animals we couldn't have at Wellington Zoo? And we think about all these things when we're going through our species planning. And all of those things are about welfare. And so it's about all of these things to do with animal care all coming together. And then the people who are responsible for the storytelling have got really good stories to tell. For example, Wellington Zoo has not had elephants since 1983. I love elephants, but we can't do elephants well. We are a small urban zoo and, well, medium-sized urban zoo, I suppose, but we, are, we do not have the space for elephants. We're quite a hilly site, so we don't have a lot of flat space. So for us to even think about having elephants would be just wrong. It would not be the right thing to do in terms of species planning. So we would never think about 
going back into elephants and, and housing elephants at Wellington Zoo. That's just the example of, of an animal we might, that we would say we can't do well enough. So we wouldn't have that in our species plan. Excellent. I think these are all such great examples. And like you say, how it's articulated, how it's infiltrated in everything that you do. And so much also in, you know, this science into practice and evidence-based decision-making. So working, you know, having research projects, working with external animal welfare scientists and internal animal care specialists, and really, you know, basing your decisions on whatever it is that you do on these different criteria that you have so clearly laid out. That's, that's just absolutely fantastic to hear. Yeah, it's, and it's about thinking all the time. It's, you know, always thinking, always thinking, have we got it right? Do we do this better? How can I find out more? Never being satisfied, I think, is, is absolutely important if we're going to be able to deliver for the animals. Yes, absolutely. And like you say, all the time thinking and have we got it right and how do we know, right? So making the, your collaborations with scientists to really make sure that you're basing your decisions on evidence and, you know, how do we know that we've got it right? Yeah, absolutely. You're so yeah. right in that. Yeah. So can you say something about someone that you aware really inspired by, like that you maybe drove you into this job or into this field? Is there someone that you were really inspired by or are still inspired by? Oh, there's many people, Sabrina, who, who have, I mean, I've always loved animals and I've always loved people. So it's the perfect environment for me. Um, but there's been people in my career um, who have inspired me you know, and I can talk about people that we all know, like, you know, Dr. Jane Goodall, um, you know, who I, you know, sort of followed as a child and, you know, her work was always so amazing to me. But then I think about some of the zoo directors I've worked for who were exceptionally, exceptional people and ahead of their time. Um, Dr. John Kelly at Taronga Zoo when I first went to work there. And then more recently, I would say Professor David Mellor, um, he has been an inspiration to me when it comes to animal welfare and what David doesn't know about animal welfare or what he's forgotten, the rest of us are trying to remember. Um, he was always such an inspiration to me when I came to Wellington and started to get to know David and thinking about animal welfare science, which is a growing field. You know, it's, it's a growing field. More and more people are going into it. But David was doing this work for many, many years before you know, anyone probably within the zoo world thought about it to the level he has. But he was a great inspiration to me. And I was so grateful when he agreed to help me to set up our animal welfare committee. And he was one of the original members of that committee. And so I really feel that we were, we were given such an advantage by having David be on that committee. And of course he passed the baton to NIO, which has also been amazing. But David was a huge inspiration to me about animal welfare, particularly. Wonderful. And it was so great that he and also Nayo, they were at the welfare workshop that you and the team organized two years ago at Wellington Zoo, which was a wonderful, you know, get together for everybody to really 
almost say geek out on animal welfare science, right? <laughs> because there were like so many fantastic presentations and yeah, and it is, of course, he, his work on the five domains is at the core of the WASA welfare strategy. And yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So I'm so glad I mm. completely agree with you with regards to, yeah. to David. He's such an amazing person and such a deep thinker. And the important, like you say, he's really active also in the practical part on, you know, how do we take this? Like his, a lot of his publications are so accessible, right? they are mm -hmm. also very easily absorbable for people who not necessarily come from a welfare background. So yeah, they make it absolutely uh, very accessible. That's great. So what do you see as some next steps for animal welfare at the Wellington Zoo? What are some of the future directions within your zoo that you're seeing or working on? I think for, for us, the next steps would be obviously improving what we do, uh, working with universities um, even more, more research, applying the science, as you were saying, and really making that applicable. I think, you know, using the five domains model, which we do use at Wellington Zoo, you know, using that model to really understand the effective state of animals a lot more. I think we can get some of the other, the other four domains you know we understand them a lot but i do think we have more work to do to understand the effective state um so i think really looking at that and how do we actually do more research we've done some research collaborations over the last few years and they have just given such great insights um to what we could be doing into the future i think as this area grows as a scientific discipline I think that, you know, we will, other sectors will be learning from each other. So, you know, we have an animal welfare and behaviour consultative committee in New Zealand, and that is across all sectors, and it's an information sharing committee. And, you know, there can be 30 people around the table, all from different sectors, all sharing what they do with animal welfare. And I think more and more of that, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, having the welfare workshop was wonderful because everyone agreed to come. And again, it was cross-sector and it was really about sharing knowledge across those sectors. And we have used people from universities to come and look at substrate with our giraffes, for example. And, you know, so there's different things that can be, we can take from other sectors that we can apply to zoos. So we can take from agriculture and they can take from us. Um, so it's, it's thinking about how do we do this more collaboratively? How do we make sure the knowledge, as you were saying with David's work, it's very accessible. So how do we make more and more of this information accessible to people? So that it's not difficult for them to apply this information and that they can find ways of applying it to their particular context but also having it accessible enough that they can go, oh, well, we can work towards that. We might not be there yet, but we can work towards it. And that they're aware of what they need to work on. So I think for us at Wellington, I would like to see us do a lot more of that collaboration, a lot more working with the universities, um, particularly with Massey um, and also Victoria University in Wellington, doing a lot of behavioural studies and things like that. Um, working with other consortiums. I mean, we've done some work with a PhD student from Melbourne University, for example, where Zoos Victoria, Taronga Zoo and us were part of that consortium. And that was looking at penguin habitats 
in the three zoos. And I thought, you know, when Sam was doing this work, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be good if we had that research before any of us built a penguin habitat? It'd be so good to know, this is what the penguins need. This is the research we've done. So don't do that when you build the habitat. So instead of having the research come after, have it done before. So be ahead of the game so that when we're investing a lot of money in zoo and aquarium habitats, we've actually got the animal welfare research to back up what we're doing. So this to me is like a whole new world that we could be ahead of the game and really start to think about how we collaborate more cross sector with universities, even with other zoos, like understanding what, what we're all doing in the animal welfare space. I remember being at the Detroit Zoo Conference a couple of years ago on animal welfare, and that was exciting as well, because it was, you know, we had people who were from NGOs, we had other universities. It was, it was really quite exciting to be in a room with all those people thinking about how we could make a world better for animals. It's really exciting, and I, and I think that's really the future. How do we, in our own ways, in our organisations, make the future better for animals. Absolutely, that is fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's absolutely, it's so important, like you highlight this interdisciplinary approach, how we learn from each other, how we cross apply. And also, like you mentioned, there's so many different aspects, right? There's these books from the University Federations for Animal Welfare that are titled animal welfare sciences, because there's just so many different sciences on the different, you know, aspects of care, whether it's like you mentioned substrate or the exhibit design. And yes, I completely agree. How wonderful would it be if we would really do <laughs> the research to try and understand what is it that the animals really want and need and that we make sure that is that is integrated. And of course, we know that good, you know, architect firms and, and zoos working together, they, they really understand this. You see that reflected in the habitats that are created. But to, like you say, to base it on what do the animals really want and need, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, great. Yeah, that would be very exciting, I think. And I know that everyone's, you know, thinking about this, you know, the leading progressive zoos are definitely thinking about this and about how do we, how do we just get those design features to actually be, work for the animals, for our people and for our visitors? So how, how are those three customers looked after when we're actually designing zoo and aquarium habitats? Yes, and someone who has been doing this and thinking about this and writing and speaking about this for years is of course, John Cole. And he was also at the welfare workshop in Wellington because he is always talking about how important it is to, you know, design from the animal's perspective, from the people who work with the animals, and of course the visitors, like really having, and he has fantastic um, designs and drawings, of course, that really highlight how you can really satisfy all three uh, of these different goals that you're having. So yeah, that was really exciting to have him there. Mm. Yes, it was a very good workshop. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. I did so too. Great. Well, thank you so much for today. I have one last question for you. And that is, if you can make one change for animals, what would that be? Sabrina, if I could make one change for animals, 
that we would have no cruelty in the world. Yeah. It's the thing that breaks my heart the most when I see cruelty to animals. So that would be the one thing I would change. And the cruelty usually comes from people. So other animals don't, are not cruel to other animals. So for me, that's why I think taking people on the journey with us around animal welfare is absolutely imperative to reducing the amount of cruelty in our world. Beautiful. I completely agree. And I think zoos and aquariums and other facilities housing animals in human care can play such a really vital role in taking people on that journey, as you said, to get a better connection and understanding of other animals that share this fantastic planet with us. I totally agree with you, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I really, I'm going to, of course, link to the Wellington Zoo and to some of the studies that, that you and your team and externals have been, you know, in, engaged in. And then, of course, you know, we're going to hear a lot more. We're going to be sharing a lot more of what the Wellington Zoo is doing in the coming, you know, months and years, because, of course, you have a lot of different stories. And, of course, we will make sure people can follow the zoo on social media because, yeah, unfortunately, it's a very dire situation today. But it also has so many opportunities, as you mentioned, and people can see the animals and can see really exciting activities in the ways that they're being cared for. And that is such a wonderful opportunity. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I look forward to, you know, hearing from you again and talking to you another time. Thank you very much, Sabrina. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Bye. Already the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Find us on your favorite platform and leave your comments and suggestions or go to the Animal Concepts website to send us your questions and feedback. We are so happy to answer them and address them in future podcasts. Animal Concepts is dedicated to helping you care for animals and yourself. Are you interested in quality animal care and welfare content, in actions and resources for you to be well while caring for animals? then check out PAWS, the practical animal welfare science platform, which has webinars, science into practice case studies, private Facebook live sessions, and a lot of resources for you and the animals you care for. You can share your experiences and connect to animal care professionals and scientists from around the world. In the meantime, take care of you and the animals and keep buzzing. <laughs>